Well, good morning, Bell Shoals family. It is so good to see you today. What a joy and a privilege to worship together. Our worship has a little more urgency to it today. A little more depth of feeling. And I think that's appropriate. I want to welcome those of you who are worshiping online, those of you who are part of our Bell Shoals family and you couldn't be here in person today, those of you who are part of our Bell Shoals family online every single week. And I especially want to thank those of you who are connecting with us this morning and, and you've been praying for us in our area this week. I've heard from many of you all across the country and I just want to say thank you for your prayers, thank you for your concern and thank you for your um, just, just loving kindness toward us these past several days. We're honored to have you worshiping with us as well. And, um, you know, we, we've been reminded this week that, that really there are fewer things we control than we actually think. <laughs> you know, we, we tend to think that there, there, there are a lot of things under our control, but in weeks like the one we just experienced, we're reminded there are fewer things under our control than we normally think. And it has been a very difficult week for many. It's been a challenging week really for all of us. And, and we're reminded that not only are there fewer things that we control than we would like to think, but, but we've been reminded that we live in a very broken world. We live in a world that's broken, not just in terms of what happens on a day-to-day -day basis, politically, socially, economically, but we've been reminded this week that the brokenness in our world extends to the world itself. The brokenness that we interact with on a daily basis is a, is a brokenness that that is ultimately tied to the created order. Like we, 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 we've, we've been reminded this week that we live in a world that is so broken that even nature does not function properly. We deal with now in our broken world, not just broken relationships, we deal with a broken creation, a creation we are reminded that is itself longing for redemption. And so as we, as we think about the formulation of a response moving forward, I, I wanna draw us to what Jesus taught us about interacting with this broken world. And Jesus gave us three overarching ways that we interact with the brokenness that's in our world and why we experience brokenness in our world. First of all, Jesus helps us to understand that we are broken people. And sometimes the brokenness we interact with is our own fault because we are sinful men and women and we make foolish decisions and we say foolish things. In other words, every single one of us as sinners, right, as men and women who are rebelling against a holy and a gracious God are gonna do and say things that lead to negative consequences in our own lives. I've told you before and I'll say it again, that sin will make you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. And sometimes you interact with brokenness because you are stupid. 
You say stupid things. You do stupid things. Just look at the person next to you and say, you are stupid. Okay, just remind them today. In Jesus' name, okay. <laughs> now say, I love you. All right, all right. That, if you're not married, is a little crash course on how marriage works, okay? You say something you shouldn't say, and then you just come back and apologize, tell your spouse you love them, and it's all good, right? But why do we interact with brokenness in our world? Because first and foremost, we are broken people. Sometimes we interact with brokenness through our own foolish decisions. And there are people who say, okay, God, why is this happening to me? And the reality is it's happening to you because you are a sinner. That's one reason we interact with brokenness in our world. It's our own fault. Secondly, Jesus helps, uh, helps us understand that sometimes we interact with brokenness through the sinful actions of others. You haven't done anything directly to result in the hardship that you're experiencing, but someone else has. Maybe it's a spouse, a child, a parent, a coworker, an employer, a neighbor, a friend. Someone has done something, said something, and it's brought some measure of brokenness or hardship into your life. We, we interact with hardship and brokenness, sometimes through our own foolish decisions, secondly, through the foolish decisions of others. But then there's a third category Jesus helps, uh, helps us to understand as to why we interact with brokenness and hardship, and that's because the world itself is broken. The created order itself marred by the presence of sin. And sometimes we interact with tragedy, hardship, suffering, simply as a result of the fact that the created order is itself suffering under the curse of sin and longing for redemption. Luke 13 is a, an example where Jesus talks about two of these aspects of hardship and suffering. He, he talks first about a, a moment in Israel's history when Pilate was murdering people and mingling their blood with the blood of sacrifices. And people foolishly thought that those who were victims of Pilate's horrific actions somehow deserved it. And then there was in that same period of time, a, 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 a tragedy that was no one's fault. It was the Tower of Siloam and it fell and it killed several people. And again, there were those thinking, okay, well, those people who died must've deserved it. And Jesus corrects this gross misunderstanding by saying in both of those situations, no, sometimes you suffer as a result of someone else's actions, not because of your own. And sometimes you suffer as a result of just a fallen, broken world where things don't work right, not through any fault of your own. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, we live in a fallen, broken world and sometimes we suffer under the actions of others. Sometimes we suffer just because of tragedy through no fault of our own. And so Jesus gives us this word. It's a really timely word. He says, no, I tell you, we, we should not think that just because something bad happens to someone, it's their fault. Or just because sometimes we endure hardship, it's our fault. It may be, it may be that first category, we are stupid. <laughs> so you always wanna start with that one. 
but then there are gonna be things that happen and it's not through your own foolishness or your own sinfulness. Sometimes it's category two or category three. It's someone else or it's something else. And here's what Jesus says. In those moments, I tell you, he says, here's what you ought to focus on. Jesus says, unless you too repent, you will all perish. Here's what Jesus says. No, we ought not think that every form of hardship, every tragedy is a result of our own immediate action. But he says this, instead of focusing on blame, he says, here's, here's the thing. There's a greater tragedy coming through the form of eternal judgment. And despite the fact that we go through hardship and suffering through the results of others and the fact that we go through it sometimes just through the sinful world that we're in, he says, we ought to keep this in mind. The greatest tragedy there will ever be is on the final day of judgment when billions of people are condemned to a Christless eternity and eternal torment. And Jesus says, instead of trying to always ascribe blame or instead of always trying to get your arms around every situation over which you really don't have control, here's what you ought to do. You ought to look to the Lord in saving faith, trust in him and ensure that whenever you take your last breath through whatever circumstances that last breath comes, that you will spend eternity with Jesus. And so we're reminded today that sometimes our lives are located in the path of a hurricane. We're mindful of our brothers and sisters and friends and family who were more immediately in the path this past week. We're reminded that historically our world is broken and there have since the fall of mankind been things like hurricanes and typhoons and tornadoes. Moments in time like the Tower of Siloam that falls and people's lives are taken. We're reminded in days like today that there really is very little we control and there's a lot that we don't. And therefore, we hear the words of Jesus saying, don't find yourself in these moments trying to ascribe blame or take control over something that you have no control over. But look to the Lord in saving faith, trust in him and realize that if your citizenship is in heaven, there really is nothing that this world can take from you of eternal value and eternal importance. Because we have a God who is in complete control over all things. And we have a God who has demonstrated sovereignty and saving power, even over the most dire of circumstances. And so as we, as we reflect upon the sovereignty of our God, the saving love and the saving power of our God, I wanna direct your attention to Mark chapter four and just a brief reminder today about the incredible love of our Savior and his incredible power over every storm and every circumstance. If you have a copy of God's word, go with me to Mark chapter four. We'll pick it up in verse 35. Here's what I want you to see today. 
that as we're interacting with this third category of brokenness, just the brokenness of a cursed creation, the brokenness of a fallen world, the brokenness of, 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 of a created order that is itself under the curse of sin. I, I, I just want you to see this reminder today that there is no storm, there is no circumstance, there is no creative act, right, in the, in the context of our creation that is greater than the power and the providence of King Jesus. And, and, and in, in the moment captured for us in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is with the disciples on a boat. He's sailing across the sea with his disciples and others who were with him. There are multiple boats accompanying Jesus here. And, and we see a tremendous storm. Let me show you what happens here. On that day, Mark 4 verse 35, when evening had come, Jesus told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. And so they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him, multiple people, multiple eyewitnesses here. And then a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on the cushion. Notice the specificity here that Mark includes. Jesus is sleeping on a pillow. There are other boats, other people right? These are eyewitness accounts. Mark, Mark includes them here in this, in, in this account, in this gospel, right? And so they, here's what happens. So they wake Jesus up and they say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus, don't you care? And it's easy for us to look back on them and say, don't you realize who you're speaking to? This is Jesus, right? No, but hey, I think we understand today there are many people across the state of Florida who are echoing that very same feeling right now. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, what are you doing here? It seems like you are missing in action. Jesus, it seems like you're not showing up, right? Like, you're, like here you are asleep, like I'm calling out to you. Here we are, like we're trying to throw water over the top of the ship. We're trying to throw cargo out. Jesus, we're, 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 we're literally to the point where we're going to lose the ship and our lives and you're down here sleeping on your pillow pet. Right? You got your little cushion, your little pillow here, your favorite pillow, and here you are, you're sleeping. Don't you care what's happening to us? If we're honest, there have been times in all of our lives we have felt that in some form or fashion. And so I don't want to be too hard on the disciples here because I have felt that. You have felt that. Okay, Jesus, where are you? Like, why are you allowing this? Jesus, what, what are you doing? No doubt brothers and sisters, friends, family down in South Florida and all across the state and the storm's path today, feeling that, sensing that, right? Okay, Jesus, why are you asleep? Or you seem to be asleep, right? And so here's what Jesus does. He gets up. Notice he doesn't even address the disciples. He doesn't interact with them. He doesn't argue with them. Jesus is just going to do what Jesus does. He's going to act and he's going to show his power. And he gets up and he goes to the top of the and look at this, Mark uses some words here that are pivotal. He, 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 two different words. He rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, silence, be still. Jesus uses two words. Both have the connotation of rebuke. Literally, Jesus rebukes and speaks to the wind and the storm. Here's what he says. He says, silence, be silent. 
In other words, here's what Jesus does. He goes upstairs to his toddlers who are in the loft arguing with each other about who can play with which Legos. And Jesus says, go to your rooms and stay in your rooms until I tell you you can come out. In other words, this is very important. Jesus speaks to the wind and Jesus speaks to the rain as inferiors. I'm in control here. In other words, Jesus comes to the top of the boat and he says, I'm the captain now. Um, You are inferior to me, wind, rain, silent, stay silent. And look what happens next. Mark tells us, and immediately the wind ceased and there was calm. In the original language, here's how Mark says it. And immediately the wind ceased and there was calm. And then there's one word that is included after. It's the word mega. Namely, a great calm. And here's what happened. Jesus came to the top of that boat and he spoke to the wind and he spoke to the rain as inferiors because they were inferior to him. By the way, he created the wind. He created the rain. He created the sea. And he says, go to your room and you stay in your room until I tell you you can come out again. And immediately, here's what Mark tells us happened. There was calm, namely mega calm. There was calm, namely mega. Immediate calm. Here's the greatest demonstration of this miracle. Okay, listen to me carefully. Not that the wind stopped blowing and not that the rain stopped falling, but that immediately upon Jesus rebuking the wind and rebuking the rain, not only did the wind stop blowing and not only did the rain stop falling, but the sea became immediately still. Because you and I both know that if we were out on the sea and it stopped raining and the storm passed and the wind stopped blowing, that the sea would churn for hours. Not here. When Jesus rebuked the wind and the rain in the sea, here's what happened. Immediately the sea became like glass. And there was no one in one of these other boats who could say, oh yeah, we saw Jesus come to the top deck and we saw him motion and say something, but it was just coincidental that it stopped raining and the wind stopped blowing. No, 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 there is no coincidence because immediately the sea was still. The water's no longer churning. Here's what happened. I mean, all of the energy taken out of the water, immediately it stops raining, the wind stops blowing, and that water is like glass. And everyone is there now. It, literally in a moment, they were, they were about to be capsized, and now they're just sitting there on perfectly calm water. And here's the response. Jesus turns around and then says... How do you like those apples? (laughs) Now, this is one moment where I can kind of like, I'm I'm with Jesus on this one because I would have done something very, very similar. How do you like that, boys? I'm sorry, were you saying something to me about not caring for you? Here's what Jesus said. I mean, here's what he said. Why are you afraid? Um, Excuse me, do you still have no faith? And they ask each other, who in the world is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they were now more afraid of Jesus than they were of the storm. 
Now, friend, listen to me carefully. Whether or not Jesus chooses to calm the sea or protect you in it, he is sovereign over the storm. And he loves you fiercely. His plan and his providence will prevail in your life. And he will see you through to your God-given calling. In this case, Jesus calmed the sea. He stopped the rain. He prevented the wind from blowing. But this is not always the case. But here's why Mark included this in his gospel, so that you and I would know 2,000 years later, in every storm we face, not just physical, sometimes it's relational, financial, emotional, spiritual. Here's, Here's the word of God to you today. In every season, in every circumstance, in every storm, listen to me carefully, you have a Savior who is sovereign over your circumstance. You have a Savior who loves you fiercely. A Savior who gave his life for yours. A God who has provided a way of salvation for you so that no matter if you're the victim of someone else's sinful actions, if you're the victim of just living in a fallen, broken creation, here's the hope that we have. Our God has a plan and a purpose for us. He has secured an eternal dwelling for us and he is never going to fail us. He is with us to the end, with us in the storm. So that no matter what happens, here's the word of Jesus, right? Don't let your circumstances drive you away from him. You too, repent, turn to the Lord and see that the greatest tragedy any of us could ever endure is to allow our storms and circumstances to drive us away from the Lord, not to him. And thus miss eternity. When here in front of us all along is a Savior who has given of himself so that we can have hope beyond the grave. We can have peace in every circumstance. And we can have confidence knowing that no matter what we endure, he is with us and he has a plan and a purpose for us. This is our hope today. This is why next Sunday night at 6 o'clock we will gather And we will learn of an opportunity to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the weeks to come. You know why we do that? Because we take very seriously the opportunity to communicate to those who don't know Jesus that the greatest tragedy they could ever endure is not the loss of a home, although that is so tragic, but it's the loss of their soul. And we will serve our community in these next several weeks and months. We will serve our friends in Fort Myers. We will serve. We will gather next week and we will serve. And we will do it so we can communicate the love and the providence of a God who is with us in every storm and every season. We will give. You can give directly to Bell Shoals and label your gift disaster relief or Hurricane Ian and we will make sure it gets to our partners in disaster relief. You can give directly. Listen, we're we're, we're gonna be a people who, who, who are going to be a blessing to others. And we're doing it because we want the Lord to use this season as an opportunity to gain a hearing for the gospel. Because the greatest tragedy anyone could ever endure in this life is to deal with their own sinful fallout, to deal with the sinful fallout of others, to deal with the sinful fallout of a broken creation and miss the remedy for it in Jesus. We don't want that to happen. 
It's one thing to lose a home. It's another thing to lose your soul. And we don't want anyone to lose their soul. And for those of us who have been redeemed by Jesus, we gather here today. Listen, here's, here's our hope and here's our confidence that, that no matter what we endure in this life, through our own foolishness, the foolishness of others, just the brokenness of our created order, that, 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 that we will lean into Jesus, the one who is sovereign over the storm, and, and we will keep our hope fixed upon the glory of his return. We will keep our hope fixed, not on something that happens in our world, our government, our community. No, our hope is going to be fixed on the fact that one day the Lord's going to break through the eastern sky and he's going to establish a kingdom that will never end. And he will gather his people to himself. This is our hope. Which is why the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 8, listen. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Not that it's not hard, not that it's not tragic, not that it doesn't hurt. No, but Paul's just saying, here, here's, here's my perspective as a believer now who has his hope fixed on heaven. Here, 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 here's the hope that, that, that as I compare my suffering here with the glory that awaits me, he's like, they're not even comparable. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation itself was subjected to futility. That's why we have natural disasters. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, the creation itself. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit of God as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves. We're eagerly awaiting our final adoption, the redemption of our bodies. It's in this hope that we are saved. And then listen to this as we close. But this hope is not seen. Paul says hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? We hope for what we do not see, and we eagerly wait for it with patience. But we don't see that new creation yet. We can't see it with these eyes. But Jesus is working on it right now. And that is our hope. Because the time is drawing near when he's coming, and he's going he's gonna to give us a personal tour of this new creation that he's been building for us. And I can't wait to see what your house looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I can't wait to shoot under par. <laughs> I can't wait to see my grandmother again. I can't wait to interact with people and they're all normal. <laughs> Just look at someone by you and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> I, I can't wait to live in this world with no injustice, no lies, 
no one hurting another. No more disasters. No more tragedies. For there, in our eternal home, there will be peace. And there will be a Savior that we interact with face to face. Amen? Face to face. And there'll be no more crying. There'll be no more loss, no more devastation. Brothers and sisters, this is our hope today. And this is the hope that we will desperately and urgently get to our friends who don't yet have it.